Hi, everyone. I'm Peter English, Global Family Business and EMEA Entrepreneurial and Private Business Leader with PwC. Welcome to our new series of podcasts called Up Next for Your Private Business. This is the first episode we will be discussing the highlights of PwC's new entrepreneurial and private business heat map. The heat map is a data explorer that maps out the attractiveness of 34 EMEA jurisdictions and places to set up and grow an entrepreneurial or private business, which we will call EPB. The benchmark is based on scores across 37 metrics divided into seven categories that really matter to EPBs. It's a tool enabling all stakeholders, from government to EPBs, to identify the areas where they could raise its game and where they could improve. Crucially, the heat map is not a competitive ranking, but an indicator of areas for improvement. And it shows clearly that having policies that help private businesses to flourish and grow is key to creating a thriving national economy. To discuss the heat map and what it tells us, I'm joined by Agnieszka Gajewska, our global government and public service leader with PwC. Agnieszka, having looked at the heat map, what comes across most strongly for you? Thanks so much, Peter, and thank you for having me here. It's great that I can be the one to open the conversation about the heat map. I read it and I think it's a very useful tool. But let us start by saying what the word and what our clients, my clients, public sector clients are talking about right now. And clearly this is about recovering after the pandemic. And so many people are talking right now, not only about building back, but what we call building forward better. And I think that the heat map tells us quite a lot about how the governments can achieve it and what they should do about. Let me start maybe by one area that is very close to my heart and also something that we discuss very close with our clients, which is trust. The heat map does not refer directly to trust as such, but I think many of indicators that you all guys are looking at refer to trust. And whenever I talk about trust, I always refer to the Edelman report. What was really quite mind-blowing for me this year is that it was the business that has been indicated by respondents as the most trusted and the most competent institution. So more than 61% of all respondents said actually they trust the business most. And I think it shows that the society at large really expects the business to step up and address today's challenges. And I think when we look at what the governments are doing right now, trying to building forward better, it is a great mix of different recovery strategies. So clearly it is about the FDIs. It is about increasing trade, increasing global cooperation. Some of governments are looking for very competitive advantage in the new map of supply chains and including nearshoring, bringing and supply chains closer to home. But what I think is quite important in the conversation that we're having right now is that many governments are thinking hard about supporting the EPB sector, which we believe is a bedrock of the economy and it also creates the jobs. So I think what is quite obvious as an opening statement from me after reading the heat map is that we are talking about the right balance, the balance between the governments, the countries, the economies being a safe harbor. So to be a solid place to invest and operate with very predictable government's behavior. But on the other hand, to also be a market that is nimble, responsive and very open and supportive to innovation. So I think if we have this balance right, 
also what the heat map shows, it gives the governments a very good starting position to attract more investments and also to recover better. That's very interesting, Agnieszka. I also strongly believe that private businesses are typically the driving force of GDP growth and social and economic development. And this is not a new finding, but it's a fact. And they usually don't have a choice where they want to be located. Unlike a big international conglomerate, private businesses can't cherry pick its location, but has to grow and to deal with the condition it fits into its country. And for me, those came down to the balance between the different criteria we have developed in the heat map. And taxation, of course, coupled with regulation, is one out of the seven criteria which have a massive impact on how private businesses and EPBs can run their business and how much money after taxation is left to reinvest in the business. So how would you sum up the role of taxation in the mix of the various criteria for EPB? Sure. I would say, Peter, I wasn't surprised to see taxation as one of the key criteria you were looking at. I would say clearly taxation is just an aspect of the country's business environment and also the support for the business. Again, maybe let us try to look at the taxation right now, given that the countries are trying to building forward better. The COVID financial support to and interventions to the businesses has been totally unprecedented. And clearly, it also created unprecedented public sector deficit and right now public sector debt. So the governments very understandably are looking for tax revenues to bridge this gap and to somehow plug this gap they need to cover. So to recover better, the governments clearly need predictable and also sustainable tax revenues. And maybe not something that was directly covered by our heat map, but something that is, I think, quite interesting in the context of taxation as such is the new OECD agreement that is talking right now about the minimum global corporate tax rate of 15%. I think nobody right now is discussing the need for corporations to pay fair taxes and also to contribute to this better recovery. But I think as much as in the past, the government's often relied on low taxations to be an attractive place to do business. Right now, I think they need to try harder and think harder about how they look at their economies to be more attractive to invest in. And I think you will probably have also quite an interesting area to comment here, but I was looking at your heat map to see that total tax contributions in Germany is just below 50%. In France, just above 60, which I think is the highest of all the countries we were rating in the heat map. But what is quite interesting, both of these countries are also ranking very, very high in the heat map. So when we think about being attractive or unattractive for the EPBs, it's much more than taxes and tax rates only. I think it is a very reasonable combination that, that make a difference for the companies to want to be in the countries. And I would maybe say the last point about the taxation, that this heat map, as well as many interactions we have with our private sector clients, the CEO reports that we've been publishing for the last years, is talking exactly the same, that entrepreneurs are really looking for taxation stability. So it's not only about the tax rate, how many percentage of your income you are going to pay. It is about the predictable environment and taxes and value for money. Also, when you look at the quality of public services. And I think if you have this balance right, 
then it is very probable that you will be seen as an attractive place to invest, irrespective of the real percentage of uh, corporate tax that is to be paid there. Yeah, that's very interesting. So one of the findings that we also had is that there is obviously a deficit when it comes to Africa. It seems that African continents are lagging behind with the ability to create the stable, predictable environment so far. I believe that historically, African territories have this competitive disadvantage being rather exploited than developed over the last centuries, to say. And for me, that raises the question, what can be done? Also looking at the different geographic insights here to support continents like Africa, which has a great economic development potential, from my point of view. What should be the role of the United Nations, European Union, and the rest of the international business and NGO community helping to create the right environment, this enabling environment. So I'm wondering if we look a little bit deeper in what are the right enabling environment. So could you, from your perspective, share a little bit because you have this expertise. So what is the right conditions that EPB needs to find to allow for this positive development, even in currently underdeveloped markets? Sure. I, I think it's almost like two questions that you pose here, and I will try to cover them both. First, maybe starting with Africa and emerging countries. Clearly, there is a need for the international community to help, first of all, with investments and also with building capacities in, in emerging markets. It is an obvious thing. And I think we need global solidarity in order not to increase this gap. So actually, yes, you are talking about Africa having a great potential. But we also know that the investments needs here are really huge. But there's still 1 billion people worldwide without access to electricity and 1.6 billion people without access to safe drinking water. So when you look at the amounts that we're talking about, I will only give you some sort of a background information. OECD calls for as much as 6.9 trillion US dollars in investments each year to 2030 to meet the climate and development objectives. If you translate it into maybe some more understandable numbers, it is just a little under $1,000 per year for every single person on this planet. And, and you know, I know, the businesses know, the international community knows that this money will not be found in the global south. And, and somehow we need to have this solidarity speech about how the global north is going to support the global south. So this is the first thing. The second thing, even if we look internally in the countries, we still have problems and challenges around how to support those businesses who were focused in the past on fossil fuels. And right now they need to transfer from fossil fuels. And this is where we talk about the just transition, just transition plans, just transition funds. If you look at the European Green Deal, which is right now the largest green financing project, it seeks to mobilize 1.8 trillion euros for sustainable investments from a mix of public and private sources. So I think it's almost like when we're looking right now, we need to make sure that everyone pitches in. What I would say is when you look at the existing international funding pledges, they're still not being met. We are looking forward to COP26 and I hope that these commitments are going to be really made and there will be some areas and some commitments to support countries like the countries in Africa and generally in emerging countries to help them create this amazing environment. Now, the second question you asked, Peter, was what really 
enabling environment means for EPP sectors. I think I covered it before saying that first and foremost, it is about the right mixture of stability and the entrepreneurial spirit. And I still believe it's absolutely the case. If we're looking at things that are very concrete, it's still the, clearly the access to high quality workforce. If we want to be a welcoming country and really support innovation, we need to be able to support the upskilling, have a good dialogue with businesses about the workforce of the future, about different curricula for education to make sure that everything that you do is aligned with the future needs of other businesses going forward. The second thing is certainly infrastructure. And here we're talking about the traditional infrastructures like roads, bridges, but also more and more about digital infrastructure. And clearly right now, 5G, but also things like renewable energy. This all is a very good mix and very important mix for the country to be able to say, actually, they are giving the right infrastructure for the businesses to operate. And the last point for me, at least from my perspective, is broadly defined ESG and sustainability. Right now, after IPCC report, we have it's really scientifically proven that it is man-made global warming and we absolutely need to do something about it and we need to step up and think of different investors, big and small, thinking more and more about how the governments are supporting sustainable development and also how they are enabling companies to have uh, sustainable supply chains and to work across uh, global networks. What is quite interesting for me is also the conversations we are having with the governments in countries in emerging markets as well, is for them to be able to create the environment where the local suppliers can live up to the standards to be able to participate in the global supply chains. So it is about creating transparency and creating quality of reporting to really be able to prove that this is uh, sustainable supply chains. So I think it's, again, like the ecosystem of different regulations and certain behaviors and code of ethics to be able to say, actually, this is the enabling environment for the business that wants to operate in the 21st century. That's very interesting, I guess, and I think the way how enabling environment is defined has also changed over the last years because the challenges has changed and the role of EPVs has changed. As we mentioned already, they are uh, number one force for GDP growth and job creation. They have a role to play for governance and countries to recover better after the crisis and to me, it sometimes feel that uh, we have a shift in the paradigm from the former shareholder value concept, which was really only focusing on business shareholders and to maximize the profit. And this has totally shifted towards more a stakeholder, sustainable and very positive contribution to a wider stakeholder community, not only the workforce or the shareholders, but also making a positive contribution to the planet, to the environment, for healthy working condition, and so on. So it seems that this has really changed and there's a role to play as an enabler to move to the right, uh, better future in those economies and countries we are talking about. But there's maybe one additional aspect, which I believe is also worth mentioning, because private business owners, EPBs, has a responsibility. And as Rockefeller already mentioned many, many decades back, that was wealth comes responsibility, 
I'm also wondering to what extent building sustainable wealth in a world where the world's inequality is constantly increasing instead of decreasing, how to move forward. And this creates, of course, a lot of questions what the enabling environment, but also entrepreneurs and DPBs can do to become more inclusive and trustworthy and to re-earn the trust benefit that they currently have and renew the license to operate. Any thoughts on that? It is a fascinating question and I think we could spend a couple of hours to discuss it. It's also fascinating from my perspective. I think it's quite obvious that right now when we're talking about wealth, about enabling environment, about what the governments should do, what the private sector should do, we all want them to be more inclusive and more trustworthy. It goes without saying. It brings us a little bit to the question of taxation, especially right now when we're talking about the wealth taxes and also very urgent needs of the governments to increase their tax revenues. And I think the starting point today, as I said before, is a huge fiscal deficit after the pandemic and the governments having to look for sustainable tax base on the one hand versus very quick tax revenue. This was balance that they need to try to find somehow. In some countries, some would say that maybe in too many countries, the agenda is very much focused on how to get this money as quickly as possible. And clearly the richer entrepreneurs are the ones who seem to be the very easy tax base, yes? especially those, as you said, those who are embedded in the countries, they cannot change their tax jurisdiction, but they just been there. So I think it's a very important balance that each responsible government needs to strike right now between taxing the entrepreneur's heart today and have very quick money to be able to finance with very much important social interventions today. And on the other hand, to have a sustainable tax base to be able to recover better from the pandemic, but to look in the couple of years time horizon. And these conversations that we are having with our clients are really fascinating because there is not one good answer. And I think some countries are really struggling to find this balance, what the fair taxation means, and also how to make sure that instead of killing the cow and having a need for the next couple of days, we really preserve what we have and we have a reasonable tax base for the years to come. In general, if you ask me personally, I think we talk much too much about wealth redistribution and not enough about long-term tax-based creation, so long-term wealth creation, to make sure that we will have money in, to invest and to finance with positive social interventions in the future. And these are the conversations that we are having with our clients to really make sure that it's fine to talk about stakeholder economy right now. It is absolutely fine to make sure that everyone is paying fair taxes. But I think equally, we need to almost like regain, restore this respect for entrepreneurs, the ones who are building the wealth and innovation in the country and making sure that we all create a sustainable future and sustainable wealth. This is great. And I think our private clients who are hopefully listening into this today will appreciate your analogy that it's not time to kill the cow, but to make sure that we have many more cows that we can benefit from in the future to create the enabling green grass environment that they need to grow and to prosper. And we said that taxation is only one out of different criteria for attractiveness and it builds the right foundation for a promising future and for further growth. As we can see in our EPB heat map today, 
there's already a gap between leading countries and jurisdiction, getting the balance right between taxation and the other supporting areas like infrastructure, digitization, investing in education. Also, from my point of view, as we are still in the COVID crisis, also the health system. So it's super important. And looking at emerging countries like Africa or continents like Africa, again, it's not about the taxation. It's mainly about the health system, fighting corruption and getting infrastructure right which will be the basis and the strong foundation for further growth and prosperity, which all people in the country will benefit from. So the time is almost up, so how can we prevent and what should governance or other organizations, including PwC, what can we do to avoid that the gap is getting bigger between those who are already have a very enabling and very competitive environment in place and other territories that need further support? I tried to focus a little bit on this before by giving you some numbers and touch points about what are the investment needs and how much we need to focus on bringing the right infrastructure and capabilities and capacities to emerging countries. I think we need to do something, definitely, because if we don't do anything, this gap will only increase and this we don't want to. I would say and pretty much reiterate what I said right now. We need to find the right responses for both financing and I think both the private sector as well as the public sector, both local governments as well as international governments, the international organizations need to pitch in and have a very strategic approach. Maybe one point which I haven't touched upon before is about role of international support. I think we need to differentiate between the role that international institutions like the World Bank, UN can play. I think they are fantastic in orchestrating people, in building capacities and also help with investments. So mobilize investments, both local public sector as well as international private sector. But I think we also need to be quite realistic about how much firepower they have as it comes to to their balance sheets. They will help and it's definitely something that they should do. But I think we also need the governments to step up. That is why I was talking about this solidarity between the global north with the global south. That is why I was referring to COP26, because I think we absolutely need to make sure that even existing international funding pledges are being met and make sure that these investments are going there. I was also referring, so maybe I will repeat what I just said. You know, part of this is to make sure that these countries are part of the international ecosystem. So when I was talking, make sure that we get all the support to these people as possible. So for them to be part of the international supply chains, to be part of the international ecosystem is definitely something that we should be focusing on. So we as PwC are working directly with the governments, with the local governments, but also with international institutions to see how we can be supportive with our knowledge, experience and also business models. The future is quite scary when you look at the pandemic is still not over. Global warming is hitting us really badly. I think what is really great right now is that finally we all came to the conclusion that challenges of today's are too big for any stakeholder group to be able to address these challenges by themselves. So I think if you ask me what we need to do to make sure that this gap is not even growing bigger, we definitely want to come together and it needs to be local, international and public and private. And I hope that once we are able to orchestrate it in the right way, this gap will not get any bigger. Hopefully it will get smaller. Thanks, Agnieszka. And I also believe in the concept of solidarity. 
learning from each other. So what does good practice look like? And also confidence. And I'm pretty confident that many companies also will invest in countries who need support. I'm pretty confident, not only because there's a push from the regulators, because there's the sense of responsibility to have a look and to review your entire value chain, how you make business in emerging territories, countries, for instance, how conscious you are treating the environment, how you treat your workforce along the entire value chain. And this will become more transparent through more transparent ESG reporting. And also investment in infrastructure could be government, but also could be private investment. So thank you so much for joining in and helping me to bring our series up next for your private business to life with the first podcast on the EPB heat map findings. So we will, of course, continue the series of podcasts by digging deeper into each of the heat map criteria from the macroeconomic factors to education, ESG and public health systems and more. Thank you so much, Peter. Thanks to everyone for listening. And I hope you found this discussion very enjoyable and interesting. So please watch out for our next episode of Up Next for Your Private Business. Until then, stay safe and healthy and goodbye. Copyright 2021 PWC. All rights reserved. PWC refers to the PWC network and or one or more of its member firms, each of which is a separate legal entity. Please see www.pwc.com forward slash structure for further details. This content is for general information purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.